Welcome to the Winner's Guide to Losing Football Bets. I am your host, Paul. We have just concluded week three, and unlike previous episodes, I will not be going through each game. I did have a busy weekend of getting over a cold and playing poorly in a golf charity event. Playing poorly was not a result of being sick, as I always play poorly. The charity event was for the Veterans House. It was a fun event, played at Toyabi in Washoe Valley, a beautiful course. It made for a really nice day. During our round, score alerts came in early and often, so here are my five up and five down teams. Five up, Miami Dolphins. Miami is doing something Cincinnati wishes it could. Spread the ball around, and score massive amount of points. Why it works for the Dolphins is they are blending in the run game with the passing game. As Raheem Mostert and Devon A-Chain complemented the pass game so well, it made the opposing head coach look like he was hired directly from the television studio. Miami is going to be a huge problem and immediately became the frontrunner for the AFC as long as Tonga Vailoa stays healthy. Arizona Cardinals. Look, I said it in the preseason that I felt Jonathan Gannon might have been the best hire this year. I also knew, based on the preseason trades, Arizona looked to be clearly tanking. They traded for quarterback Josh Dobbs a week before the season started. Gannon had some weird press conferences, but all he has done is have a halftime lead in all three games to this point before finally finishing a game and knocking off the fucking Cowboys. The team who supposedly was going to have an all-time great defense this year because of what they did to the Giants and the Jets. But we are starting to see who these teams are. And those two beatdowns aren't as impressive, but what the Cardinals are doing, despite a depleted team, is inspiring. And thankfully for the 49ers, they just watched the Cowboys slip so they don't have to. Cincinnati Bengals. Don't get me wrong. This wasn't a pretty game. But that's why it's so impressive. It's this type of game you have to win in the playoffs. Just a gritty performance, one in which they shut down the darling of the NFL, Puka Nakua, and sacked Matt Stafford six times. They held a Rams offense who moved easily against the Seahawks, and gave the 49ers defense fits. I still like to see the Bengals get the running game involved to help open up the field for their star receivers, but this was a huge step for a Bengals team that was on the ropes. Houston Texans, and more directly, C.J. Stroud. The Jaguars are struggling, and I'll talk more about them in a minute, but I still felt this was a get-right game for Jacksonville. Instead, Stroud and the Texans just put a complete game together, and this game was never close. The Texans' defense still isn't great, as they didn't record a sack and gave up over 400 yards of offense. But they played well enough to allow the Texans' suddenly surging offense to get a big first-half lead, and then all they had to do was just lean and not break. C.J. Stroud is playing like the player who should have been drafted number one overall. And the Texans and first-year coordinator Bobby Slowick have had a great game plan 
in place to allow Stroud to be successful. This might still only be a four or five win team, but this was a big win which created a lot of momentum and good feeling in a locker room needing positivity. Buffalo Bills. Look, losing the way they did to the Jets had a lot of people suggesting the offseason issues would carry over, and while whooping the Raiders was nice, it's the Raiders. Washington still has a lot to prove, but they are a much better team than the two previous teams the Bills played, and the Bills just outmatched, outclassed, and outcoached the Commanders. James Cook has become a strong contributor and should allow Allen to make less plays with his legs and focus on the passing game. Five down teams. Jacksonville Jaguars. I've never thought much of Doug Peterson as a coach, but when you're replacing Urban Meyer, the bar isn't set very high. A playoff run last year gave many, including myself, the hope that Peterson could at least help elevate Trevor Lawrence to elite status. But this team has regressed offensively and has shown little ability to manage a game defensively. What's worse is the offensive philosophy doesn't look to improve upon what was gained from the end of last season, despite getting back a solid receiver in Calvin Ridley, who has six catches since he caught seven in the first half of Game 1. This offense has too many options to be held down the way it has, but is moving in the wrong direction. New York Giants. The Giants have scored 12 points in 10 quarters this season, while scoring 31 in two quarters to come back to beat the Cardinals. There was belief that the comeback against Arizona was the kickstart this team and Daniel Jones needed to move forward. But this is not a good team, and many would say they weren't good last year but they kept games competitive and Jones didn't turn the ball over, something he has not been able to replicate this year as he is already one interception away from his total from last year. It's a year like this where I get pissed off about a coach of the year results because Brian Dayball should have been able to build off of what he did last year, but can't and won't. Coaches like Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan will just have to rest their heads on their multi-year extensions received. Minnesota Vikings. Last year, Minnesota was 11-0 in one-score games. This year, they are regressing to the main, and they are doing so in impressive fashion. They were unable to capitalize on another Brandon Staley debacle, which puts them as a team on the outside looking in and heading in a perilous direction. What doesn't help is everyone knows the Vikings won't bring back Cousins for next season as they look to move forward to... To what? To what? Cousins has been a solid, if not top 12 quarterback. Where do the Vikings go from here? San Diego Chargers. Yes, they won this game. But Brandon Staley continues to clown himself. The rationale is whether you believe you can trust your offense to get one yard or trust your defense to make a stop. Analytics say that this team should have gone for the first down. But why does the analytics say this? 
because that's how bad this defense is. And as a reminder, Brandon Staley was hired to revolutionize this defense, and they are fucking terrible. When you hire a defensive-minded coach and you support his decision to go for it deep in your own territory because you can't trust your defense, this guy needs to be fired. This is egregious. This is irresponsible. It's why the Chargers have no true home or a true fan base. The Spanos need to sell this team. And finally, the creme de la creme. The Denver Broncos. Look, my weekly picks have been horrendous. My fantasy advice has been spotty. But I came into the season with three truths. San Francisco was better than everybody. Jonathan Gannon is going to be a force. And Sean Payton is a terrible head coach. The joy I have experienced this weekend while teeing off on a par five, looking up into the Sierra Nevadas, while also receiving updates to the Broncos' evisceration was sublime. I am already on record for doubting the Broncos, double downing on a bad trade for Russell Wilson, then trading for Peyton, the two humans I despise the most. And they are on the same team, and this makes my life easier as a hater because I don't actually relish being a hater. I don't need that in my life. I don't want that in my life. So for the NFL to package up all of my guilty hating pleasures into one mess of a franchise, if there was a way to get both of them onto the same team as Raper Watson, it would make my life so much easier to just package and ignore these social and criminal degenerates. Sean Payton was suspended for a year because he allowed the targeting and bounty of players. Bounty. Money exchanged hands if defensive players injured offensive players under Sean Payton. You know, the guy who called Nathaniel Hackett a terrible coach. Last time I looked, Nathaniel Hackett never gave up 70 points in an NFL game. In fact, it took Hackett five games for his defense to give up 70 points all season last year. I try not to relish in the failure of a human, but as Sean Payton is a garbage lizard person, coaching another garbage lizard person, I feel I'm doing humanity a favor in leading the charge against two terrible lizard people. Now teams I didn't cover. 49ers, Cowboys, and the Eagles. Why? I don't need to. These are still the three best teams in the NFC. And I don't care that the Cowboys lost to the Cardinals because the Cardinals will still be drafting top 10 and the Cowboys will still be in the playoffs. Good teams lose to bad teams and I can make a statement as to where the Cowboys offense is, but I don't need to because they already shown who they are. And while the offense is erratic, it is serviceable while this defense is creating havoc on the field. And what we saw in the first two weeks was a defense who created opportunities for the offense. And in week three, we saw a Cardinals team who evaluated the tape and adjusted. Dallas is still going to win 12 or 13 games, folks. And as for the Eagles, DeAndre Swift is highlighting how overrated Miles Sanders was in this offense. 
Swift had opportunities to be that guy in Detroit, but injuries derailed his tenure, so Philadelphia is playing a dangerous game here. I know because I've watched San Francisco run out Jimmy Garoppolo year in and year out and it ending in the same way. There was one magical year Jimmy was injury-free and San Francisco made it to the Super Bowl, but every other year the 49ers have needed two extra quarterbacks. Until this year. This is the year, folks. No team is beating San Francisco. San Francisco is only beating themselves. And the person who might be the biggest result of a San Francisco loss is new defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. The two previous defensive coordinators had been with San Francisco since 2017. This is Wilkes' first year. He doesn't know what his defense can do. He doesn't know what his players can do. You can watch tape all day, but until you make a play call and see how a man responds, you are at the mercy of a coach who knows how to manipulate weaknesses. San Francisco is the best team in the NFL, but they can be out-schemed just like anyone else. Is Steve Wilkes learning enough about his team in these first few weeks to compensate for an offensive coordinator who has the knowledge and the players to beat this 49ers defense. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Winner's Guide to Losing Football Bets. A little shorter than normal and not the same evaluation, but (laughs) terrible at evaluating teams. So who fucking cares? Anyway, until next episode, stay safe.